Hey there, everybody. This is Vic Mignogna. You know, I love Hawaii and I love podcasts. And you're tuned into Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Yeah, I fly and I soar, but I aspire for more. So sometimes oh, I can show you how this lion can roar. Sound the sirens, let them know I'm standing right at the door. I'm defiant because I know that I'm a giant at core. Yeah, I'm that boy. Let them know that I'm next level. I'm a whole new kind of guy. Yeah. Aloha, everyone. It's Mikhail Casanova back with another episode of the podcast. Um, today we're going to have some really good conversations. I'm joined today by a good friend of mine. First time we're actually talking visually and audibly, but you know, we've been talking for a long while and it's none other than fellow Aver media partner, night tide. How's it going, man? (laughs) It's going good, man. Yeah. Uh, go by AJ or night tide, whichever I've been known as night tide on the interwebs for the past six or seven years. So I respond to all the things, but it's going good, man. It's going good. I'm very happy. We finally get a chance to do this because we rent back and forth to each other in Twitter DMS all the time. It's finally good that we get to do this face to face. Oh man, seriously. But uh, before we do anything further, uh, go ahead and plug all your social media outlets, anything you're working on. And uh, you know, the floor is yours. The show is yours. Go ahead. Oh man. Uh, so yeah. So again, you can find me at night tide on Twitter. It's main social media account, uh, that I, that I use. You can find me at night tide on YouTube. I have been doing the live stream thing for a long time. You can currently find my Twitch. I stream one, one night a week on Wednesdays. It's a community live stream. Um, and that's at night tide. And then I do DM or GM a uh, weekly D&D stream. Right now it's actually a a based off of Cyberpunk. We just started a new campaign. It's a Cyberpunk TTRPG. It's all custom homebrew campaign setting and we're even we're even homebrewing a lot of the system. So myself and uh, Geigen von Huber is who you can find on that. He's the code co-creator and and uh, game master on this with me. And so that's Monday nights on my Twitch channel. And then uh I'm also producing a a D&D 5e like horror podcast called Maledictum and you can find that at at uh, Firelight ADV F-Y-R-L-I-G-H-T ADV on YouTube or just search for Maledictum on all the podcast platforms and you can find uh, 10 episodes I gotta edit some more and get them out there but uh, but that's a fun project too that's about what I've got going on at the moment okay okay and um the editing how, how how are you liking doing all the editing? Because that to I me, I love editing. editing. Okay, look, I, I have a love hate relationship with editing. Like sometimes I love it, but the other times when I realize how much I need to edit, it's like, oh crap. Okay, I said this. I need to cut this out. I need to jump cut here. I need to tra- do the transition for, so it like flows. It's tiring, but it's different. So so there's there's different. Like I don't mind video editing. Video editing is is good, especially when I'm doing review content or or preview content or, or, or even just like gaming first look content, because most of the time I'm not doing cuts, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do a big swath of, of stuff. I'm going to add an intro, add an outro, maybe add some, you know, some pop-ups here and there for socials. It, I'm not playing around with video too much. I don't have time to like do the jump cuts and the zooms and all that other stuff that people do. I can, I just don't typically have time to do that. So editing a mm-hmm. video is fine. 
what I find myself knee deep in with the, the maledictum podcast is I'm taking an hour's worth of audio and, and it's TTRPG. So it's D and D audio. So there's a lot of pauses and thought processes and like, what is, what do they want to do? And so I'm editing purely wave file timeline. So I don't have any visual cues. So it, I literally have to kind of wait for it to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm editing that into a 30 to 40 minute tightly edited show. And so I'm, I'm having to listen to phrases. And if we get caught up on something and have to restate something, it's, can I take the start of the phrase that they had here and pair it with the back half where they actually complete the thought here, take out ands and ums, take out pauses. And so to get an hour of just wave file audio to a finished 30, 45 minutes takes me about three hours. Yeah. And so it's, it is, it is a, a labor of love to do that. Now the finished product is amazing and it's great practice because I also am getting started very slowly into the voice acting world. I want to do audiobook narration and, and hopefully start there and kind of see where it takes me. Um, I have a site for that too, ajnight.com, ajnyte.com. So you could book me for whatever you need. I'm cheap for now. <laughs> so I, and I and I have good equipment too. I've got good equipment. I got got the stuff. I have a, a booth that I've made. You know, it's it's all this kind of stuff. So it, it's a it's a labor of love. When I do things, I want to do them to the highest quality that I possibly can. And so for me, that means diving into tutorial videos and learning and really integrating with my software. So like I use Reaper mm -hmm. to record as my DAW, and it's a super powerful. DAW and it's got a ton of support. Um, and it's also a pay once and you're done application and you just get updates for forever. So I love that about it too. But when you have, it's like anything else, when you first dive into any of these types of programs, your premieres, your photoshops, your resolves, your whatever, it's just like, here's your interface. Like, no, now figure it out. <laughs> help. Right. Like you, you, it's intimidating. And yeah. most of the stuff you don't need unless you're like a super power user, but it's there and you don't even know like how to build a, a scene or build a, a timeline in half of this stuff without having to do a, a serious amount of legwork. Just importing your media sometimes can be really confusing as to like how you organize it and like how they're trying to do like chains and all this. I'm like, it's just video. Just put it together for Pete's sake. Like what, what is all these arrows and stuff go? I don't, I don't need to know this. So I retreat back to my like super dumb little cyber cyberlink power director video editor. And that thing works great. And it's super simple and it's never let me down. It doesn't crash. That's another thing. So it's, that's crashed on me maybe like once or twice over six years of using it. So it's super stable anyway, but yeah, editing is, is a love. It's a love, hate love editing video because there's it's, it's fun to see that come together. Audio though. So that's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. <laughs> um, so speaking of voice acting, I, I'm slowly getting into it as well. I've been doing cool. a couple of uh, fan, uh, fan made like Final Fantasy seven remake uh, voice okay. acting. So nothing major, but then I had one of my friends, uh, John Eric Bentley, who voices Barrett and the official, Final Fantasy 7 remake. Okay. Uh, he's been 
he's taking me under his wing he's been showcasing me a lot of stuff that i can't have access to because i'm not in the industry so it's like i'm looking at it i'm like that's cool i have no access to that okay (laughs) yep i don't it's like oh you need this amount of years in it or this amount of credits this this, isn't this i'm like yeah cool i have none of that but this this we'll look at but (laughs) it's it's very interesting like the industry and how like yeah learning how to use um reaper because one i'm i'm wrapping my head around that mm-hmm. um setting up a booth which is kind of hard here because like where our condo is sitting the freeway is right there oh so <laughs> and then you know having this toddler run around and the teenagers and then it's yeah. like oh god and the pets but you know i'm trying to get it to work but there's so much and, and i say all this to say like what people don't understand well this, you know, voice acting or content creating or streaming or anything like that is the behind the scenes. There's so much. It is not just hit record and go or hit go live and go. There's so much the equipment, the software, making sure your computer can run it, make sure your yep. computer's updated. That's something my wife is always running into. Like when she's recording stuff for the podcast we do or the content she makes, she doesn't update it. And then she's sitting there for like half an hour or an hour waiting on that to update. And I'm like, Brutal. yeah, it, it's, it's always something, but you know, like editing, it's a love hate relationship. Cause there's some days you love it. Other days you're just like, no, I, I just, not today today i'm just not feeling it (laughs) well that's that's part of why i think streaming is so attractive to so many people because it's literally the easiest and i don't mean to say that it's easy but it is the easiest of the content creation paths to get into it requires the least amount of equipment it requires the least amount of setup and it is it is extremely widely supported so you can you can stream from your gaming console you can stream from your phone you know you don't have to have a monster pc to be able to stream something and i think that that's why it's so attractive but then there's also the if you are leaning into that is like the thing that you do right you don't have to edit you don't have to publish you don't have to do any of these things and there's enough apps on your phone now like canva and these other things that you can create thumbnails from your phone. Like you can literally do the entire thing from your phone. I mean, that's why TikTok is a whole different conversation, but like TikTok and reels and, and streams, like all of that kind of stuff, you've got, you've got people that have basically built up an entire social media following or content creation following just from their phone, you know? So it's so accessible to do. Whereas if you're going to do the voice acting, if you're going to do the YouTubing and, and those different types of planning a video, writing a script, getting your space set up, trying to record B-roll, trying to record the actual foot. Like even if we're talking video game review, getting B-roll, getting live footage, organizing all of that stuff, making sure that jives with your script, uh, you know, getting, getting, uh, what is it? Uh, um, copyright free or royalty free or even licensed if you have the licensed music to be able to put on there making sure you're not going to get dinged for those things um, having to to purchase assets to make intros and outros and stock footage or or you know stills or whatever photoshopping do that stuff paying for that stuff it's not a cheap hobby it's not a cheap hobby it's not a cheap job there is a lot of overhead that comes with creating all of this stuff so yeah, live streaming, live streaming is fun. That's why it's blowing up is because everyone can just 
put on their phone and do it. You know, it's, it's insane. <laughs> I, I wish I was good at it. I want to give you a like, hug, man. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> I feel your pain. I, I, I do. Like, okay. So uh, to put that in context of streaming, like I, I, I don't get to stream a lot. Like, yeah. I think usually maybe once, maybe twice a week, but I love streaming because it's like the one time I get to have just pure fun, you know? And it's yep. so crazy how like, <sighs> okay, Tw Twitch, I guess we can talk about the, the glass ceiling of Twitch. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you, okay. uh, you have way more experience with streaming than I do, but I feel like with Twitch, if you're not following certain trends or you don't fall into certain niches that are what they're pushing it's near impossible to grow and then discoverability on twitch is what is discoverability on twitch <laughs> yeah no you're you're 100 right so so I, I guess that's a fair point to say. I, I guess I'll back up. So my my content creation journey started with streaming. That's why I'm kind of hypercritical of it. Is I started on Beam, or I started mm -hmm. on Twitch, and I was growing on Twitch very slowly, but like really grinding, like really really grinding, and and trying to do variety content. And that's always a tough road to go. Variety content's the hardest path in all of streaming because the the whole system rewards you for being dedicated to one thing and finding a niche in that one thing and then doing that thing repeatedly and getting very good at it. Like I'll take, I'll take a buddy of mine, um, not to, not to name drop him, but Arcanaut, Go for it. um, he's, he's a, he's a friend. He and I started at the same time back on Twitch and we both went from Twitch to, to beam, which then turned into mixer. And he got way bigger than I did, but his, his strategy back on Twitch was rocket league. And he was really good at rocket league. And then he moved over into kind of beam and mixer and he got on the PUBG Fortnite thing and then stuck in those kind of BR categories. And he ventures out more and more now, but you know, he, he really did do the, do the thing of turning those games into a production like he's got a gong and he's got like camera movements and he's like really up the production and he makes it makes it feel like there's this crazy amount of energy even though he's playing the same game day in and day out you know and it's about creating that experience for the audience more so than it is him playing the game and i think that's what people don't understand about when you're going to do that type of thing is you have to, you have to be that lightning in the bottle to provide entertainment on top of just gameplay. And, and that's a, a whole separate topic, but anyway, but that's, that's what you have to do to continuously get noticed. Cause then you get known as like a person in that directory. And then more and more people start to watch you over other people because you're more entertaining or they vibe with you better. Right. And as you do that, and as you continue to grow, right, it's the rich get richer kind of mentality where it keeps promoting you and you keep getting into that. But to that point, though, I don't think that that's even happening now anymore. You know, back in the day on Twitch, uh, when Destiny 1 was real big, it was like raid carries was like a huge thing, right? And Destiny is mm -hmm. probably one of the, the tightest communities on Twitch. Raid carries and those different types of things were like how you made it. 
and like being a Sherpa and like having Sherpa streams. And like, you'd have people queued for hours to try and get in like a raid, even if they'd already beaten it before, they just wanted to beat it with you. Right. And, and so there's, there's a whole bunch of different of those, those paths. But if you're trying to do just your standard kind of variety content, the way that you had to grow was by networking with other creators. And that's not follow for follow networking. That's like make general friendships, like, or make genuine friendships, support each other, focus on rating each other at different times and passing your audience between you all so that you can do that. And that's how I, I got in with a group of friends and we basically did that. We were able to dominate a 24 hour cycle and just passed viewers between us the whole time. And that's how we got successful. And I, and before Mixer closed down, I was streaming to between 75 and 150 people a night at just about 24,000 followers on the platform. Like it, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. It was a fun time, man. It was super good. And then Mixer died and none of that transferred to Twitch. And to your point, the discoverability on Twitch is so bad that everyone says, well, use these other platforms to push your discoverability. But that doesn't work either. If you get a following on Twitter, they're not going to watch you on Twitch. If you get a following on TikTok, they're not going to come to you on Twitch. If even if you have a big following on Twitch, they're barely going to come to see your videos on YouTube, right? These communities are so interested in just the one type of content that they appreciate you for that they're not looking to do that. If people find you for shorts on TikTok, they don't want to come and spend hours with you live streaming. Why? Because they're on TikTok, right? If they're coming and watching your content on YouTube, they might come and watch you live but they're probably just interested in watching VOD content whenever they get a chance to. They're not the same audience. It's all different. And so Twitch basically deferring their discoverability to other platforms is why these other platforms are growing over Twitch and is why people are hungry for every new thing that pops up, like kicks the new thing. Everyone's going to kick. I say everyone loosely, but that's where people feel like they can be seen, you know? that's the, that's the struggle right now in the live streaming space in, in the content creator space broadly, but especially in the live streaming space, it's just, you can't get people to find you. Yeah. And if you can, it's because you know, someone that's promoting you and, and for lack of a better term, like that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. That's how the world works. It may not seem very fair, but that's how the world works. Yeah. <clears throat> like I, I can definitely say like, that's very true. Like with, uh, with all of it and specifically for me like with doing youtube because i do do variety content and i so i've been on youtube since 26 24 no 2016 when i took okay. it seriously that's when i went with it so i've done variety content on there you know from uh uh video game reviews tech reviews podcasting uh live streams back when they were punishing people for streaming on YouTube. People don't realize that was a thing before. Yeah, they, they, they'd screw your channel. Um, and because I, I do a spectrum of things, I don't grow at the rate someone who just focuses on one thing. Like the big thing within the past year on YouTube was the Steam Deck. And, you know, I did videos on it. I've done tons of tutorials and got metric ton of views, but 
when I would do something not Steam Deck, um, I'm I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, like I'm like, wait, this video just got thirty thousand views. This one can't even scratch fifty. What's going on? And it's because you're you're locked yep. into you got to do this and like. I saw people popping up with, you know, the creating outlets and and channels based on Steam Deck. And, you know, within the last year, they've gone, you know, at the the lowest end of that spectrum. They're like at, I want to say like 7,000 subscribers Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And at the highest end, they're over 100,000 to maybe 200,000. And I'm like, okay, before I started doing that, I was at. 10,000. Now I'm at 17 and I'm not focusing on that because my attention span is like, okay, I, I like this, but I don't want to talk about every little thing about, Oh, here's a new update to update video. Here's this new little thing. That's really not important. I need to make a 10 minute video out of nothing. Like I, I don't have an interest in that. And it's like, so I had a video today with like random Frank P he was actually talking about that too, about how like he's got 2 million subscribers and barely get, you know, 50,000 views. And it's because he's, he does keyboards. He does tech setup videos. Like I'm oh, your setup. He does mm-hmm. live streams. He does all this other stuff. And because the audiences don't cross over and the way that YouTube has tailored it to where you only see what you watch, even if you're sub to someone, if they do something that's not lining up with what you watched, you're not going to see it, period. And it's just, it, it, it can be really deflating. Like, I'm at a point now, and, you know, I've had this conversation with you many a time where I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this or not. And it's, it, I hate to focus on metrics, but that's the barometer for a lot of us. Well, it is the barometer period. And and I think that that's yeah. the problem, right? Like it, it, you, you have to, and I've said this for a long time, you have to be able to justify the time you're spending doing anything with success. And you have to make sure that your goals are aligned with what you're trying to do. So like for me, I've, I've always had wife and kid since I started content creation. I've always had job outside of content creation. So my ability to do has always been less. So my goals have always have to be more realistic and more centered around the fact that I know that despite the fact that I have a dream of making content creation, you know, the thing, right. And be able to play games and make reviews and do these different types of things and build community and all that kind of like core fundamental content creator kind of like you know, glue, I have all this other stuff going on. And, and so I have to keep myself in check and where I see my friends who either don't have families yet or are, are not working outside of content creation, right? Like they're they're They've got that time to be able to invest more in doing this stuff. And so when I see them succeeding at a faster rate than me, I'm like, it still sucks to see because I want to be doing as well as they are. But I also realize that like, that's not my situation. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you have to, you have to also 
look at holistically about your whole life. And this is a whole other topic. I know we kind of talked about going to this. So I'm going to give you a maybe segue if you want it here. But like, I've always had a good job and my family's always been taken care of. And I've never had to worry about paying my mortgage, paying my bills, you know, uh, you know, all of those different types of things. Right. I know where my next meal is coming from. My family's good. We're good. And I know creators that are like, if you, if you got paid late for mixer or you had a Twitch payout come late, you're like, I can't pay my phone bill or I can't pay my rent or I and like, and while I respect the hell out of, out of the grind and the dedication to trying to make it on your own, like that's a whole different level of stress to take on, on top of content creation. And you see it time and time again, especially from younger people that aren't as established that are just trying to like throw their hat in the ring and see if they can do it. And they don't have a, a parent support system. Like they're not living at home. They're not doing this stuff. They're living on their own. Like hats off to you. Cause that's a hard grind. And that's a, that's a, a whole other level of stress to kind of put on a happy face when you're like, man, if I don't get, you know, subs coming in today and tips coming in today and, and this kind of stuff, I may not be eating tomorrow or I may not be able to put gas in my car. That's a, that's a real situation for a lot of people. Right. But, but they also, it also speaks to how badly people want to escape the real world to try and just do this kind of stuff. Um, and it's hard. It's just, it's a, it's a, this is a, like, like you said earlier, it's hard. It's not easy. And I think people hit that wall when they go, I'll just be able to play video games and stream and it's going to be the greatest job ever. Like, let's say, I mean, like, not to like change genres, but like, look at actors. Look at how many actors have, have more money than you can shake a stick at, but are miserable, messed up people because they can't hold down a normal family life. They, they, they're always all over the place, right? They're, they're having to alter their mental states for roles. They're altering their physical bodies for roles. They're doing all this kind of stuff. Like being an actor used to be like, Oh, it's awesome. Must be awesome. Be an actor. Now I look at actors when I'm older through a different lens and be like, no way, man. Like (laughs) bless you. And, and yeah, the money's probably great, but like money can't buy happiness, fam. And that seems like a whole experience that I want nothing to do with. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh-uh. <laughs> Voice acting's different. I can do that for my house or from somebody's studio, right? Like I don't, I don't need to be, you know, dropping 50 pounds or gaining 50 pounds or, or trying to, you know, get myself into a headspace to, that totally makes me not a person I want to be around to play a role, right? Like, it's, it's a, it's a whole different ball of wax, but content creators put themselves under so much stress when you finally get into the nitty gritty of this, that, that it really does take a toll on a lot of people. And it, and it sucks. You know, like I say, when, when you tell me like, man, I'm feeling it, like I feel bad, you know, because you're good at what you do. You deserve more success. And, but I don't know how, like, but like you said, how do you, how do you do that anymore? Right? Like what's the formula it used to be that the algorithm was open and people just got promoted and you kind of had that fair shake. And now it's very clear that these platforms have thumbs on the scale and they're pushing the kind of content they want to see. And if you're mm-hmm. it, great. You're probably, you know, you're probably in feast mode. If you're not, you're in famine mode. And it's like, <laughs> what do we yeah. do? Yeah. Like I, I've seen so many, like specifically on the YouTube side where people who start a channel within the last couple months to a year or two years and you know 
they do one thing, it blows up, and then everything they're doing is going well, or they get discovered by a bigger creator, shout out, then boom. And I'm like, I've been grinding at this since 2016 on YouTube, and I, I'm glad it's not my main outlet, but it's the one that is, I guess, is more like the storefront compared yeah. to everything else I do. And so because I'm trying to get, I'm like, God, I'm trying to get to 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. And it's like, people are like, oh, I, I got that. I got that within a month. I got that within a couple of weeks. I'm like, I've been trying for years. Like, you know how long it took me to get to 10,000? A little too damn long. And then there must be, I think there's like a, a, a study came out that less than 10% of people who make videos on YouTube can ever even make it to 10,000. I'm like, why is it that hard? There are billions of people on the planet. Why is it so damn hard to get an audience? It shouldn't be. No, it, it shouldn't be. But it, and, and it should be that the kind of the cream rises to the top too. And that, and that's the other part of it. And, but to your point, like discoverability is such a big deal. And, and that's the thing where, where if it's just a straight up, you know, uh, algorithm, it, it it's what everyone wants because it's the most fair, but it's also the most unequitable because it's, if people see your videos, if they see your videos and start interacting with them, they're going to get more attention, which is kind of why, and this is, this is a whole other thing. Why I think people have been so mad at Twitter lately because mm -hmm. it feels like they have re they're constantly pulling back the layers of the algorithm and they're getting a more even algorithm. So they're, if, if your tweet is just a regular tweet, you might have gotten, you know, 10,000 hits on it before, where maybe now you're getting a thousand or even less than that. And people are like, what's happening? It's like, well, it's not pushing your specific thing because you got the keyword that they're trying to promote in the algorithm anymore. It's just letting it be open season. Look at the look at the what's happening tab, right? Or the or the the popular tab. Trending actually is trending now. You know, it's whatever people are talking about the most is what is going to be seen the most by people, right? So that's that's the 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 double-edged sword of making that more fair. But I'd rather have that than have someone's thumb on the scale where I'm constantly having to adjust my content because I, I think to to your point and what you're talking about, like I want to be, you're like, I want to make variety content. I want to do tech reviews. I want to do game reviews. I want to do do podcast content. I want to do, you know, talk about shows and anime. Like I want to be able to make the content that I want to make and, and be able to find that audience that wants that too. And that audience is out there, but you're, you, you gotta get, you gotta, you gotta give people a chance to find you. And if yeah. they're, if the algorithms are just going to reward one thing, like I remember what you're talking about live streaming, right? Well, like if you would live stream, it would mess up your algorithm for your YouTube uploads. Cause it would treat it as like an off, off uploaded upload. And mm -hmm. even if you didn't upload it and, and it would just mess up your whole discoverability and it's like well then why do it well because they didn't want you to live stream they just want to say that you can live stream right now they want you to make shorts why because they want to compete with tiktok they want to compete with with reels and instagram more okay so it's what it's what youtube wants it's not what i want and that sucks it's that's not that's not a place you want to make content but where else are you going to make content that is 
as promising or has the has the reach in the audience as YouTube does. The only competitor in that space that is worth even looking at is Rumble, and they are still way behind on features in terms of like like you can't even make playlists. They're like 2006 YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and it's great. It's great that they're not, it's great that they're independent. It's great that they, that they're not on AWS or Google servers, right? Like they are completely their own thing. So they have the best chance of actually surviving and they are, and they're the least censorious new platform out there, which is also great. That said, it, it's still a long way from where you could just migrate to that platform and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to be over here now. No, <laughs> no, that, that ain't it either. So it, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough bag when you're trying to get found and trying to find a platform. Like, thank goodness for, for being able to like syndicate video and like, you know, pump it out to multiple places easily. But even then that's, it's still, it's still extra work, right? It's that behind the scenes. Well, I had to upload it here and then I had to make sure it's syndicated over there. And I got to make sure the tags are on the video there. And I got to make sure that it, it's just the laundry list of stuff just expands when you're trying to get yourself to be seen. And, and that only makes it that much harder for you to stick with it. You know, like to your point, I've been doing YouTube. Oh, since long before I started streaming, but YouTube is that thing that I could just never stick with because of the amount of work with it. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to, to want to do that and to make the thumbnails. You know, I, I think I did a, uh, I did a Valheim let's play series was the last big thing I did on YouTube. It was like 40 some episodes and I'm like trying to like on lunch breaks, I'm playing and recording. And then I'm like editing in the evenings and trying to do all that kind of stuff. And like, it's just like, it's an insane amount of work that's not maintainable in my situation. So again, it's, it's hard, man. I feel it. <laughs> so as far as like in the, uh, the, the streaming space, like with being on Twitch, how is that for you so far? Like, if you were to cross compare that to Mixer, oh. early Mixer, it it's it feels night and day. Like early Mixer was a positive place where people were genuinely trying to uplift each other because we were all trying to lift up the platform, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot more of a united community kind of feel to to Mixer and to Beam. Um, and it was exciting, right? But then it quickly turned into the kind of corporate overlords that Microsoft, you know, took over from a leadership perspective and you could feel the switch, right? Because they're, tr they're trying to come in and make it twitch and, and try and make it compete. And it, it ultimately incentivized, I think the wrong types of content and mm -hmm. the leadership over there is ultimately what destroyed that platform a hundred percent. Um, but it's, it's hard to scale anything to be fair. It's, it's hard to scale these types of, of platforms, but at least the, the algorithms and the promoteds and things like that, um, early on were again, whoever had the most views was on the homepage. It's like, okay, at least that, at least that's fair because then the community, and this was the fun part, the community would cross rate each other. And you'd have people in different directories that were just friends because everyone was just trying to hang out. Like I used to hang out in art streams and a whole bunch of other different stuff, even if it wasn't stuff I was interested in, just to kind of be a part of the community. And so I get raided by people doing other stuff. 
you would never think that would happen on Twitch now, right? Like if I even raid outside my directory, I'm never going to grow, right? Like that kind of, you know, BS. And, and it's, there's some truth to that, right? But that's the, that was the thing where you could get seen on Mixer and it's like, well, man, if, if it's your birthday and all of a sudden everybody from the website is literally raiding you, well, then you're on the front page and you're getting promoted to everyone that's coming on there for the first time. And you're having the time of your life that night with, you know, a massive amount of viewers, more viewers than you've ever had people following left and right. And, and all that different type of stuff were on Twitch. Even since I started on Twitch, it's always that like, oh, I found you because I was looking at the bottom of directories trying to find somebody new. <laughs> and you're like, thanks. <laughs> I'm happy you're here, but thanks. Right? Like, it, it, and it feels good to get those people to show in and they become the kind of core of your community. But man, Twitch is, Twitch is just such a, a soulless place now where people are are hungry to find the gimmick that's going to get them attention. And I think that that largely that's why I've taken a big step back from content in terms of live streaming constantly. And I'm trying to focus more on things that I'm happy with because this whole space, and this might be a hot take. I don't know, but this whole space to the, me, the floor is yours. There's you. no filter here. Yeah. The, the whole space to me is beginning to feel more and more like, like we're all just drones playing puppet for the puppet master, right? Like the, the mantra of like, if you want to be validated as a content creator, then you got to have a drink sponsor and you got to have a chair sponsor and you got to have a tech sponsor and you got to have a, a, you know, headphone sponsor and a microphone sponsor and glasses sponsor. And if you get all these sponsors, then, then you're, you're awesome. And you actually are worth something except none of those are actual sponsors. They're all affiliate ships where they might send you some product or they might just give you a discount on product and want you to pimp it for them. And what I've realized in kind of hindsight, looking back and all this stuff is it's an extremely predatory market for these companies that are getting involved. And I don't want to say that I don't want to misrepresent many of these companies that I think are trying to make legitimate products. They think are going to be good for people, right? Like, Certain like glasses companies and things like that I, I've worked with have been fantastic companies in their own rights. You know, they're they're trying to make good products to help people with with real problems. Um, but it ultimately ends up playing out the same way. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, here's a code and you get 15% off, right? The ultimate winner in that relationship is the company because they can sign whoever they want. And even if they're small, if they get two or three, you know, sets of glasses, it's more than paid for sending them one, you know. Same thing with drink mixes, right? Send them a tub of powder once a month. And hey, if they get two or three people to sign up, more than pays for it. It's easy marketing for them. And they don't really have to do much. And, and but that's but people don't see it that way. And they're not actively promoting these content creators with their platform. So it's it's really a one-way street where you're getting a pittance of a thank you with either you know a tub of energy drink or maybe a small kickback to to comparatively to what you're actually giving them and it's all these companies it's all these companies and it's constant you know and and that that to me makes me want to engage with it even less because i feel like well then who am i really creating content for am i really creating content for my community and for my audience or am i just doing it to try and get notice me senpai to buy these other companies so that i can pimp their products and and you know, fulfill the, the kind of more, and I don't want to be like, oh, esoteric, but like materialistic kind of 
thing around gaming when gaming is meant to be a fun hobby that I was hoping to build a community that just could ignore all the other stuff, right? Like we can argue and disagree about a ton of different stuff, but hell, if you and I like COD, cool, we can be buddies, right? At least while we're talking about COD, we can be buddies and hopefully connect people through that type of a medium. But even now it's so polarizing, right? And it's so, it's so what is, what is new thing, right? What is new thing? Oh, this is new thing. Okay. Are you, are, are you down with new thing? No, I'm not down with new thing. <gasps> You're not down with new thing. And I'm like, no, because I don't care about new thing. Well, then I don't care about you. And I'm going to find somebody that cares about new thing. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm old. Like, I'm not even that old. But like, this is how I, but I'm like, I'm, I'm too old for this. I'm, I'm too old for this ish already. And, and I've only been in this space for like six years. It's like, if I'm old man, my, like, I, uh, it's like, no wonder people quit this game because it is, it's just too much, right? It's like, it's keeping up with the Joneses all the time. And, and I thought it was supposed to be about creating cool content in, and being able to share content <clears throat> with people in so much of the reality of the industry is that it's not that at its core, at least not mm -hmm. in what the companies that are running this stuff want it to be right. They're looking to make money. And they're going to do that by, by doing the things that make them the most money. And that's not you trying to be idealistic, making cool content. That is someone that's willing to pimp their game and play it 24 seven and get people to sign up and play it too. Right. That's, that's getting people to rep their, you know, whatever company and get a bunch of people to buy it too. Right. Like that's, that ends up being the game, right. And the ads is in the space, unfortunately, one of the main revenue sources outside people subbing and even subs and sub avenues and sub splits aren't that great. So it's just a tough game, man. It's, it's a really, it's a really tough. I don't mean to be all doom and gloom about it. Cause it's, it's a fun medium, but it's just, it's hard. It's so, it's so hard to, to want to get excited to your point when you feel like there's a glass ceiling or you feel like, like there's certain things that you have to do to be popular, but they're not what you want to do. And so do you, do you go into it like stubborn and be like, I'm going to break through and do it my way? Or do I give in? And what does that mean if I give in? Does that mean that, well, I'm just finally doing it the easy way instead of beating my head against a wall? Or does it mean that I'm compromising my values or my integrity? And that's a fine line. And I'm, I don't know. I think, I think that line's different for everybody, but like, that's what it ends up being for me. You took all the words out of my mouth because literally... I, the, the keeping up with the Joneses is so true. And for anyone who watches or listens to this, that if you look at like the feel wind, the creator's sphere, like any keyboard, mouse, controller, console, game, you know, be it, you know, video game or, or, or board game, anything, the attention span of that being relevant usually is within a two weeks sphere and then it's like all right we're moving on to the next thing which is so crazy like when i have to review a game like if i can get it early i'll play it beat it review it i'm done with it i'm on to the next thing because by the time the general public gets it then they're like all hyped about it i'm like all right that's old news it's just and the constant I guess you can say consumerism. I, I, I guess we're, we're going down that rabbit hole of like, sure. 
it, it's so much you're just intaking so much over and over and over and over and over and it makes like there there are times i wonder i'm like i wonder why so many people feel like they're dissatisfied in this field it's because you're never able to be content you always have to want something or, or push for something or promote something and especially when it comes to these companies they don't give two flying f's about any of us at all even even ones that many of us are partnered with <laughs> they they don't care oh, and even, it's, I, I, I'll, I'll full on sim for media for a second they are by far the one of the best that i have worked with insofar as the the journey and kind of the changing hands behind the management hasn't been the best, but you know I worked with I worked with Hoost originally when they first kicked off the program, same phenomenal right like Andy certainly did his best and and now we're working you know with the folks kind of at Avermedia HQ and I think that they're doing their best but it's also been yeah. a partnership right like like they will send me stuff to review. They want feedback and they have incorporated feedback. I can't ask for more than that out of a partnership, right? Like that, that's what it was supposed to be. But I've worked with headset companies that that's not been the case. I've worked with controller companies. That's not been the case. You know, I've worked with glasses companies. It's not been the case. Like, there it's, it's, I've worked with energy, create energy drink company. It's not the case, right? Like they just want you to peddle a product. So sorry, button in, but like that's hundred percent. No, 100%. It's, it's exactly what it is. And, and the thing, like, I guess we can tie it into, like, uh, I guess, creator growth on these different platforms is when you work with these companies, you know, that have these big outlets, they have these big platforms that, you know, they can put out a tweet or put out a post and, you know, hundreds of thousands or, or millions of people can see it and, and, and they'll go with it. They'll be influenced to purchase it because you know the, this is the thing elgato can put out a product whether it's good or not and because people will see harris heller or gail level or whoever you know i think they got voice actors with them too like uh troy baker with them they see them say anything positive about elgato people are going to flock to it regardless of the quality like I don't use Elgato capture cards, not because I'm partnered with Avermedia. Media. It's because I've never had a good experience with them. One, I think it was before, literally the year I got partnered with Avermedia, I had went out and bought their card because I went through in one or two months, like three to four different uh, Elgato capture cards back to back to back because they just kept failing. The software was horrible. But when you see the big name creators, what are they pushing? Elgato. You know, and, and not saying everything is bad with Elgato. I got their ring light. I use that. I like that. But the software is ass. Because <laughs> it's like, how many times do I need to connect this to my Wi-Fi? I need to do that whole resetting process. Nobody talks about it. But I got to go and do a whole process to get that set up. And it's like, okay, I, I, I trailed off there. Let me go back. Let me go back oh, on a no, beaten path. No, but you're right. <laughs> you're right, though. There, there are those that will use Elgato and suffer through it, or those that figured out that it's not worth the money and bought Avermedia. And yeah, it's not as well hyped a company, but it's it works. My works. my OG uh, Live Gamer Portable will still work if I plug it in. That's like 
six years old, right? Like, I I had a dazzle. Remember the dazzle capture cards? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the had had the like the RCA hookups and like little USB thing. Yeah. My I was make so fun. I guess fun little departure. I was my first kind of foray into content creation was actually making COD montages from COD Four with the mm-hmm. clans that I was part of, and I was recording from my TV to my VCR, and then was playing from my VCR and recapturing that to my PC, and then editing. Like you want to talk about the stuff you had to do to make it work, fam. That was it because I wasn't paying two hundred dollars <laughs> for a hop hog HPV or PVR or whatever. Um, but like, but that's the, it's the truth though. Like, it, there's a lot of companies that put out stuff, and because they have the star power behind it, they just do it. Like, I I bought, um, I, I was went on Amazon and I bought mm-hmm. um, like this light that I have here. I don't have it directly at me. I'm using reflective light because I don't care to have light beaming at me in the at nighttime. But uh, but I bought those and it was a three pack of LED panels. They're a good size. They they range the you know the the white the the you know bright white to yellowish kind of spectrum. Um, they they can be remotely controlled. They can be synced. They can do all this kind of stuff. I bought three of them for 150 bucks and they came with stands. You can buy like one Elgato light for that, and it's not that big. It, okay, it hooks into my stream deck. Cool, right? Like, like, cool. I get that you're paying for that little bit of software, but like, all you're doing is turning it on and off. It's it's not it's not as impressive as you make it seem, Elgato, right? Like, it's not. But they do have synergy between their products, which is, which is powerful and it can be. And so when you get into the ecosystem, people keep wanting to buy into the ecosystem. It's the same thing with Apple and all this other stuff, but I digress. Continue. <laughs> it's the truth though. <laughs> Once they get you right. Like if someone buys a stream deck, they, 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 it's like the old Dave Chappelle, right? Like, gotcha. Mm-hmm. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice car. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I was thinking about like, because um, maybe you've noticed this. I, I, I think, I think we had a talk about. I know I talked with uh, Urguys about this, and it was the fact that whenever a lot of these big influencers that like Aver Media would send stuff to, the big influencers who are usually in the pocket of Elgato, right, would be like, "It's okay, but." It's not that good. I like remember when the um you have the, the live streamer Nexus, right? Yes. I love that thing. I love it. Right? It's I it's love your it. stream deck, your stream deck, it's your um uh what was this other thing? The Go XLR, it's everything yeah, it's in your one. audio interface, it's your stream deck all in one. And and and, and uh oh go ahead, go ahead. Got, you know, and if you have a capture card that has an audio out then you can line in your gameplay audio right to it and it takes care of all the desync issues from capture cards because that's a problem with all capture cards with, with mm-hmm. video desync you pump that into your line in done mm-hmm. and that's what i like i i bought the live gamer ultra which is a 4k uber capture card i know you know i'm just saying for everybody else it's a 4k uber awesome capture card and they continue to update it with more firmware updates and it's even better now because it's got support i think for for uh, um variable refresh rate but mm-hmm. But they sent me the Live Gamer Extreme 3, and that had a line out on the capture card. And I have used the Live Gamer Extreme 3. It's comparable to the Live Gamer Ultra, but 
because it has that line out and I can put it into my Nexus, it solves a problem that I've had for a while, which is all the desync, you know? And I'm like, I'm not going back, but that's, that's the kind of synergy that I want, right? Like that's the kind of stuff. Like those are the little things that matter. You wouldn't think having a line out matters on a capture card. Oh, but it does. If you have the ability to capture that audio separate so that you don't constantly have that, that battle of desync. Cause it's a pain. <laughs> Such, a pain. <laughs> Such a pain. No, it, it truly is. And it's like, yeah. So, so like, I remember when, like, I think, I guess this, this, which one is this? Is this the PW513? This is the only Avermedia product I have that just stopped working. And, okay. Uh, I, I found the, the cable. It just, and it, apparently it's clearance now on all outlets because they replaced it with the 515, I think. Okay. That's their newer model. But I remember when that came out and you had a lot of the big influences that got it. And they were like, saying oh it's not that good you don't who needs a webcam like this who needs this this and this and then uh, ilgato puts out their uh live streamer cam oh this is the best thing ever it da, 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 blah, 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 blah. then they put out that 4k one that you can't even buy because it's never in stock and it's like this is the absolute best and i'm like okay that's interesting so avery media puts it out these same same folks crap on it razor who I know people hate Synapse. I'm not a fan of it either. But the last two webcams they put out, which I'm using this one right now, I'm using the uh, the uh, Razer Kale Pro. And its yeah. quality is actually pretty damn good. But these same influencers, y'all know who they are. We don't have to name drop them. Crapped on anything that's not Elgato. And that's another issue in the industry yeah. nobody wants to talk about is help me here <laughs> how can i oh, no. be politically it's, correct with this one there, there's no need to be politically correct it, it's it's an industry bias it's an industry bias and it's also money right like there is the, that that's what people don't realize when you are a small creator you're not getting product plus actual sponsorship right and so you you get these creators and there are many of them I, like i think I think if I'm going to name drop anyone, Harris is probably the the closest to an unbiased creator, right? There's there's others that I used to think were unbiased, but now I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. um, but but to your point, when that webcam popped, Harris was the only one that was like, "This is actually a decent webcam," and, yeah. and it's a and it's a good alternative. Um, and he's always been that way because I think he legitimately wants to see better products across the industry, and and I've always appreciated that about him. I'm not a huge like fan of his in particular in terms of like, I don't watch all his videos, but I do like a lot of the tech reviews where he at least gives everything a fair shake, tries to give it a good display against its competitors and then gives some pretty good critique on how to make them better. Like that's the kind of stuff that I've always wanted to do with, with partnerships is because I like the tech and I like the usability because that's what I do outside of this is software and usability. So like i I'm more interested in those things to begin with. But anyway, point is, is there's money. There's money that gets sent. And it's just like the same thing you see like on, on a smaller level with like Amazon reviews where companies will send people money. Here, uh, we'll pay you 30 bucks if you give us a five-star review. So you'll see newer products that come out of nowhere that have like 50 five-star reviews and they're all the same thing. And they all have the same five talking points in them because they're paid. You know, no one's going to say it. 
because they don't have an obligation to say that they've asked. So like, and, and if you're, and unless you're someone that understands that that's going on and you actively look for creators that are ones that will disclose, right. And, mm-hmm. and now they, they have to disclose like, you know, sponsored or whatever, but sponsored could mean a lot of different things. Sponsored can mean they sent it to me for review. Sponsor could be they sent it to me and paid me. And creators are only just required to disclose that it's a sponsored video. So yeah. you have to take that with a grain of salt to begin with. But when I look for product reviews online or on YouTube, I have my go-to people that I know are unbiased reviews that are basically buying things themselves and testing them because they don't want to get sent primo samples that have already been tested and no work, right? Like they don't want to be sent, you know, the, the special versions ahead of time. They want to get what the consumer's getting. They want to be able to test it without any, any kind of pressure from the company doing it. And they just want to give you a good review. That, that should be the standard that we all adhere to as consumers for these types of things. But unfortunately, that's not how the game is played. And again, I've never dealt with Elgato, so I can't say directly, but it does certainly have the appearance that, that there's some of that stuff going on in the background because you see so many people praising products that have notoriously have issues through the years. Notoriously. Now, again, I will say Elgato is one of those companies where they tend to try and fix some of that stuff with the next revisions. But anyone that had a, an HS60 or, or HD60S knows that freaking capture software was dog water and you mm-hmm. knew it and people just did it anyway because they they the only brand that they knew was Elgato. Unfortunately, you know that that's that's what it was. So yeah, I I don't I again I'm not outright accusing Elgato of anything, but it does it doesn't pass the sniff test when you see all these people that are like, oh this is the greatest thing ever, right? To me, it falls more in line with, like I said, that they're so people are so trapped in the ecosystem. They got the stream deck, right? Oh, well, if I, if I buy the, you know, the $150 lights where I can get three of them on Amazon, I'll get more light and I might have a better looking stream. But if I pay 150 bucks for the one, or if I pay a hundred bucks for the one, it'll work with my stream deck. So guess what? I'm going to save up a little extra and I'm going to buy two. And that way they both work with my stream deck, right? Oh, look, a foot pedal. How much is it? Like 70 bucks? Oh yeah. I can get one of those for $20 on Amazon, but I'm going to pay $70 to get the same plastic foot pedal from Elgato because it works for my stream deck. And there is some value to that. I'm not knocking that completely, but to like, but then you say to see, to go and look at the reviews and everyone's like, Oh, this thing's actually really nice. Or this thing's really great. You should totally get one. And it's like, does anybody really need a foot pedal? If you have a stream deck, do you really need a foot pedal? No. It's a very small niche of people that actually would use a foot pedal because they have seen transitions and other stuff they're doing while they're actually gaming and can't use their hands. But people buy it because they think they need it, right? Like, But that's the game of the industry. Make you think you need something. And as content creators and as streamers especially, a lot of I feel like what we're doing is peddling to other streamers because everyone wants to try and do that now because, as I said before, it's easy to do. You can do it now. Oh, I just got to get my graphics card, or I, I'm building my PC, or I'm I'm getting my capture card next week, or I'm you know I'm doing this, and it's just like you said, it's constantly chasing that. What's the newness? What's the hotness? What can I do to make my stream better? When in reality, you're fighting bigger things than just having the equipment to do it. There's so many people that spend money on setups that they just 
will divest <laughs> very quickly and because they realize that that's not what ultimately gets them seen, even if they have a great quality stream, because then they get bitter. I spent $3,000 on my setup. I have the best looking stream ever. No one watches my content because no one was watching your content before. Like you, it doesn't, it's, you don't just magically buy a setup and get people want to watch your content. It helps. It helps that you have a pretty stream, but that doesn't mean people are going to watch you. Exactly. But that's the lie. But that's the lie. That's the lie that everyone tells. Oh, you know, yeah, you, you need a mirrorless cam. You need a, you need a hot mic. Most USB mics work fine. I fell into the trap, right? You got to have an XLR mic, got to have an audio interface, got to do whatever. It's nice to have USB mics now, today. You, you go buy $50 USB mic. Razor makes them, Rode makes them. Uh, um, uh, who is it? HyperX makes a really good one that's like 30 to 50 bucks, depending on the sale. Uh -huh. They work just fine. And you've got, yeah. and you've got, now you've got the, Every every application known to man has noise rejection software, so you don't have to worry about that. And, and I guess part of that's technologically advanced too. But like again, it, like you you don't have to spend a ton of money to be able to have a setup to do this kind of stuff. But that's the stuff we keep peddling, right? Oh, you need that energy drink to keep you on your top of your game playing Fortnite or playing Apex or playing whatever, right? Oh, you need this or that or the other. Or it really helps when you're having long game sessions to have a great chair. It does having a great chair is actually super duper important, but who has the best chair? Our gaming chair is legit. You have to go and actually do some research on that stuff because not all gaming chairs are created equal, just like not all office chairs are created equal, you know, like, but people are just going to buy whatever their favorite content creator pedals. And, mm -hmm. and, that, and companies know that, and then they get burned or they're like, man, this chair is actually not that comfortable, but often they won't even say it. Because they don't want to, they don't want to go against the grain. Because if you talk against the companies, then they know that you're someone that talks against the companies. They don't want to work with you. That's the fear too. You know. And 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 to add to that, what people don't understand on the outside, this industry is large, but microscopically small. You piss off one person, that travels. It does. <laughs> it, it's cool. It is quick. Well, and again, and I'll I'll, I'll fall on this grenade because I, I don't care anymore. But like, <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's the same thing with your 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 personal political views. If you are not in in with the progressive viewpoints on life and and everything, you might as well not talk and hide, because mm -hmm. the vast majority of this industry is much more. I don't even want to call it liberal anymore because I don't think that that's an accurate ter termination, but it, it's much more of a, of a progressive, I guess a better way. It's much more progressivism involved in, in the developers, in the social media companies, in the marketing companies, in the, the, all these companies. So if you're a more independent leaning or even right leaning or even a full blown conservative, if you are vocal about those views, it is extremely difficult for you to work with people. Because there is a there is a vast bias against you in the space, right? Like I'm a Christian guy. I'm also, and again, not to not to bring all the intersectional stuff in it, but I'm a white straight guy with a family, and I'm a Christian guy. Like I might as well be Satan to most people, 
right? Like, how dare you? How dare me be me? You know? <laughs> and it's like, like I've never, I've never held hate in my heart for anybody. I've never, never called anybody out for any of this kind of stuff. I've never said anything that was so super controversial. But like, I don't subscribe to a lot of the modern viewpoints because I am a Christian man, and because I have like the the life that I have lived, right? Mm. I can't, I can't help that, but I also don't feel like I'm wrong in what I believe. That's part of what beliefs are. They're things that you hold dear and shape your worldview and foundation. I don't think I have bad or controversial beliefs at all, but they certainly aren't mainstream right now with what's going on in America. My views are certainly not mainstream, but if I want to use my platform the same way that everyone else uses their platform to talk about my views and what I think is important. And, and how I think we should be treating each other and those different types of things, I would be blackballed from everything. And I'm, I'm working up the courage little by little to just say, I don't care anymore <laughs> because, because to me it's, it, it goes down to, I want to make sure that I'm maintaining integrity and, and being an example for my kids. Right. And for what I think the right way to live is. And so it's, it's tough, man. And so that's another thing. Like you're you're gonna you're gonna hit that wall really quickly if you even if you're part of a more progressive ideology. If you don't agree with everything, it's gonna feel really really hard for you to to speak up about anything. You know, if you're questioning something that's going on, or you're not fully supporting something that's going on, even if it's with something that you might kind of agree with, watch out, <laughs> watch out, they're coming for you. So to, to add, I, I got a story for you. So to add to that, I'm not sure if I told you this, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. But so 2020, we all know those, the, uh, the pandemic year or, you know, all the insanity that ensued and oh, especially yeah. in the U S. So my wife at the time was no, well, my wife, not at the time, like it's past tense. <laughs> I didn't take a gummy. I'm not at the time. (laughs) I didn't take a gummy. I'm not high right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, so my wife, um, at the time was streaming like full time because, um, that year the company she had worked with for almost a decade, they closed up shop because you know, everything was shutting down. Yep. So all she had was, you know, streaming before she got her current job that she's at uh, finance finances for the school she's at. But um, she was full on streaming, you know, grinding to make partner doing really well doing Final Fantasy 14 streams. And um, she saw I think this is round time close to like November elections. So uh, AOC streamed on okay. twitch the only time she's ever streamed and she was streaming among us and twitch gave her partner status gave her all this other stuff so my wife asked one question and it was why does she get partner status and she didn't have to go through the same thing that everybody else had to and that was the extent of the question but oh my god how dare she how dare she say that? Dare. BLM folks went after her. They're like, who is this white bitch saying this? Who is it? You know, it's always white people saying it. My wife is predominantly Hawaiian, but she's <laughs> Italian Hawaiian. And 
How dare she say that? And I, they were going after her. Way. It was crazy. I, I, I mean, I again, I've ne- not met your wife, but I've seen pictures of your wife on her profile. I would not mistake her for anything other than a Hawaiian woman. Like, right? I, there, <laughs> I don't look at her and like, that looks like my aunt. No, not at all. Like, <laughs> I'm Scott Irish, German, Czech. Okay, I am European, much, and 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 no, not at all. <laughs> if you you tell me she's Italian, I'm like, really, Re- yeah. really. <laughs> Cause, cause she has that Hawaiian, you know, Samoa type look, right? The Islander kind of look. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's crazy, man. No, I, I get that a hundred percent. My, I, I had a falling out with longtime friends because when Gina Carano got kicked off of uh, the Mandalorian for basically just her. posting, I love her, I, I love her too, but she posted an image that was from World War II that basically said, Hey, you know, the, the first step in, in being able to persecute the Jews in world war two was telling everyone that they got to, that it was okay to hate them. Right. And we shouldn't hate each other. And that was the extent of the, of the image was basically saying, don't argue and fight with each other. This is not productive or healthy. This is how we start down the wrong path. We need to be talking and, and cultivating relationships and continuing to love our neighbors. And she got kicked off of a freaking show for that. And people were crucifying her for literally calling for people to talk more and to not be upset with each other. And she got canceled for that. And it was taken out of context. And it was all this other sort of stuff. And I was like, this is insanity. I was like, I can't believe that they did that to Gina Carano, but you know what? I'm not going to argue about it because people are not being logical about it right now. And all my friends came out, of, all of friends came out of the woodwork to just like bury me. You don't understand blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like I went and looked, I went and looked, I want, I do the research. I'm an analyst. That's what I do. I go and I try and find, I'm not just going to like follow whatever, whatever other people say. And then you talk about COVID. I had a lot of the hot topics or the hot takes in COVID too, because I was looking at actual scientists and virologists and stuff like that. Within the first six months, I was listening to a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he was a virologist at a at a major university. And he was like, you know what? What's going to happen is we're going to have the main virus. And right now it's a bad virus, meaning that it's going to, to be very lethal and it's going to spread, right? Over time, you're going to see new variants pop up that are going to be more transmissive, but less harmful. And that's because it's becoming a better viruses. Viruses don't want to kill their host, then they can't replicate. They want to learn how to good. It's like we have untold numbers of viruses living in our DNA from all time, right? Many of them we just don't bother with because they've learned to live in us and they don't cause us any problems. That's how this will get eventually. And so I'm like, huh, that's a really interesting take. And then I see Omicron and then I see Delta and they're both more transmissive less lethal. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I guess that guy knew what he was talking about. And the whole time, like I'm processing this, right? The whole thing with masks, right? If you can smell a fart, it's not doing anything. That made sense to me. But everyone was like on the mask thing. And I was like, guys, I, th- you could get kicked off YouTube. You could get kicked off of social media for even suggesting anything against the mainstream. And to me, that was, that was crazy pants. Like, how are you supposed to have open dialogue if you can't actually talk? But that goes more to the point. Is it, is it really about 
in, in bringing that back to content creation, is it really about enabling creators to make the content they want to make? Or is it about pigeonholing creators into creating the content they want you to make? And like, that's, that's the ultimate question that I struggle with in what, what forces me to struggle to stay in content creation in general is because I have the stuff that I want to make, mm-hmm. but it's, it doesn't seem like it's the stuff that anyone else wants me to make. And so am I going to get any support doing it? Probably not. So that means that it's completely hundred percent invested on me to make it work. And is that worth my time? That's where it gets to ultimately. And that's the the big question. And I love it. And I enjoy doing stuff with friends. Again, I've enjoyed talking with you. Like, and it's stuff that, that can we, can we use the platforms to put out positive messages or be a light in kind of the craziness to hopefully have some people latch on to good content, right? Instead of just kind of bought or recycled or, or copy paste content, right? Like, can, can we make that kind of stuff work? And that's the hope. That's why I keep doing it. Right. That's, that's the hope, but it's a struggle, man. It really is struggle. <laughs> I don't want to get you. I'm sorry. I probably get you banned. You have to cut this section. So I don't get you banned on YouTube. I think it's okay to say all that stuff now on YouTube. I don't give a fly. <laughs> I've, look, look, I've been canceled twice already and I'm really? still here. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. What okay, did you so- say? <laughs> We're rehashing all the old wounds right now. <laughs> okay. Are you familiar with like Ricada Law or Nick Ricada? Yes. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Real good okay. friend of mine. So, so, okay. So, dude had two- crazy coverage of the Rittenhouse trial. It was good. Yeah. He's, he's super good. Like, so, was it the Dragon Ball Super movie came out? Vic Mignana was the voice of Broly. And, okay. you know, Never really heard any controversy about Vic Mignogna. Then the movie comes out, and then you get this weird person, Mars girl or something, whatever, on Twitter, decides that she wants to cancel him. And then she does that. Was it like she a Me Too starts thing? the whole. Or yeah, was it she, just like a. It was a Me Too thing. She Me starts Too the whole kick Vic thing because there were people that said, oh, he was awkward because he was, hand, you know, he was very hands on, touchy feely. And he's very Italian. Okay. And I think a lot of people don't understand, like, may not understand that. Yep. Italians are very hands-on. And like, same thing with Polynesians. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, and yeah. It, there's nothing beyond that. Right. It, it's just, you know, so uh, the, the whole kick Vic, kick Vic campaign got going. And then I was friends with a lot of voice actors. Okay. And then I got invited to Hawaii Con back in 2019, and they offered me, and I'm the only person there that got to do it, the opportunity to interview him. Okay. And because I interviewed him, and I was not aware of, of any stuff. of, right. yeah, because I don't keep up with drama. I ain't got time for that. I'm too, I'm right. too old, too young, I'm too, too old young old. Right. <laughs> but like, I don't keep up with the drama. So. After I I put the, the podcast out and he shared it, then voice actors I never expected said, oh, you, you support misogyny and rape and all this other crap. And I'm like, I what? Because you had him on the show and, and you're supporting what he does. And I'm like, what did he do? 
well, he's facing serious legal ramifications. He's he's probably going to go to prison. Okay, where's yeah. the facts and evidence of that? Never could produce that. And nothing, none of that happened. Behind the scenes, from what I understand from talking to him and others, it was people want him out of Funimation because he was too high up. They wanted him out and they they got it. And his best friend got him out. So then that was the the initial part of me being canceled was like, how dare I? So then voice actors didn't want to come talk to me anymore. Mm. And then I went on because uh, Nick, Nick and I met at Hawaii Con. And we hit it off. Our wife, like Lady Rackets and my wife, Lehua, they hit it off. They're all cool. You know, we're just chilling the whole time. And, you know, we, we text back and forth, all of us. And so Nick asked me, hey, would you like to come on the show? Because, you know, you want to talk about how people were treating you with that whole situation. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, let's talk about it. So I went on his show. I didn't name any names. I alluded to, oh, yeah, they did this. You know, right. oh, yeah, this character was in was in Zelda. He was right. the bird and this character, this person was in this or this, like, I didn't say names, but the kick Vic folks lashed onto it, tagged the, the actors. And then, you know, shot, people just come after me and draw. So I got canceled and the one voice actor, the main one pushing my cancellation. I thought he was a friend of mine. Dude, right. You know, he needed anything. I helped him out. He needed a phone. I sent him one. You know, we got started working with the same company, except he got to go on to do voice acting, which is NIS America. He decided Mm -hmm. to take it so far that he tagged any other voice actor that I'd interviewed, told him not to work with me, tagged every game company I worked with, said that I am dangerous to work with because I led to him getting swatted and doxxed. And I'm like, excuse, but then like, yeah. So then that went to the point where no company worked with me, period. Mm. And the first one that did work with me was Aver Media, which was why I got so much love to, for them. Like people like, oh, yeah. go to Elgato. No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, so. Then that happened, which is funny because karma caught up to his ass because he, he's in the middle of getting canceled for furry stuff and some other things. But, you know, that was the first time I got canceled. And then the second time I got canceled was from a content creator who I thought was a family friend, too. Mm-hmm. And he was bigger than mine, uh, bigger than, than me as a creator. And it was in adjacent to the first cancellation because there's a, you know, an, Outlets reached out to me to get my side of the story. I sure. gave them, you know, screenshots, yep. facts, and evidence. And he turned on me because people are going at him saying like, oh, he's a MAGA. He's a MAGA supporter because of this, this, and this, all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But the tribal, okay. The tribalism, man. The tribalism. But they're like, but like, well, you're not pro this. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not in this sphere that you're trying to put me in. And, yep. <laughs> and because they went after him, then he turned on me and canceled me. And then that circle of friends I had in content creating all turned on me. So like I'd been through cancellation twice. So if anyone wants, if any mofo wants to cancel <laughs> me for this podcast, suck my left hairy nutsack. 
and 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 send money to my PayPal. <laughs> Dude, the cancel train stops for nobody. That's it the doesn't. I think that's the thing that that I'm that I'm learning throughout all this, and I think that's why I'm getting bolder and and kind of just you know being out there more with what I believe. You know, again, like being again being a Christian in in modern day America is the weirdest thing for me to say. Feels like one of the hardest things to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like like you're either you're you're constantly vilified or mischaracterized or or you know laughed at for believing in the mythical sky daddy right like that's everybody's favorite thing to say right like, you believe you believe in a magic sky daddy why should i you know believe you or why should i take you seriously and i'm like i could say that to you about 15 different things but i don't because i try to be respectful of everyone because within my faith I believe that we are all created in the image of God and therefore deserving of respect. And as much as I may not like your ideology or like the things that you are saying to me right now, I still have to love you as a person and you better be thankful for it because I am not someone you would want as an enemy. Right? Like, and, and that's the, and that's the thing. Like people don't, people don't get that. And, and there's, because there's so little room for discourse in social media in, and, and people are so quick to just be reactive. And I think, co- I mean, COVID was terrible for, yeah. for, I think people in general, you know, like being locked in your house and, and being forced to, to live your life through the lens of social media. I think we can see for a two and a half year, almost three year experiment. That is not a, a healthy way for people to live. We got to get out. Like, and everyone says that you need to go out and touch some grass. We all need to go out and touch some grass. We have been way too glued to the screens for three years. We all need to take a chill pill, take a breather, and get back to thinking in some sense, right? And I feel like everyone's starting to kind of have that bounce back where they're like, okay, I know I was really upset about this like six months ago, but now I'm kind of thinking, does this make sense? I don't know if this makes I don't know if I feel that bad about it anymore. Like, I can go out and touch grass now. I don't think I, don't think I care as much about this anymore. You know, like, it, it's a it's a whole new world that's starting to kind of evolve and uh and, and it's a it's a it's nice to see some some kind of pushback to reality but at the same time like we're, we're a long way from that and if that's three years of us being locked inside man i don't want to see what any more of that looks like because and it's a blessing and a curse like i work from home full time and it's fantastic right i get way more time with my kids i don't have to commute I don't have to do all that kind of stuff like again you you're working from home like it's it's a blessing and a curse right time with the fam you you can't escape them but you are there more, right? Like yeah. my dad, when I was growing up, he, he worked for, uh, he worked in insurance. So like he would have to go and work in LA in like different areas. So he'd be gone like all week, you know? And it's like, he'd drive out to an area and have to be in a hotel for a week. And then he'd come back on Friday, you know, like that wasn't what I wanted. That wasn't what he wanted, but that's what he had to do. You know, like I grew up in Southern California. So it's like my parents had to work in LA. Like you, if Anyone that knows LA traffic, you're, it's like you're two, from California. I'm from SoCal, yeah. And and you're Christian, and I'm Christian, yeah. And you're 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 not progressive. No, I used to be. I I'll let me put it this way: I used to think that I was way more progressive than I actually am. And the older I get, the more I realize that because of my Christian foundation, foundation, even though I maintain like I'm independent politically. And I like to think that I'm independent in the fact that I don't just take anyone's side without evidence. I will mm-hmm. go and research the things that I feel strongly about. Like, I'll be perfectly honest. I grew up being very like pro-choice, right? Like everything was pro-choice, right? Like I, I women's right to choose all that kind of stuff. Now that I'm a dad, 
and I have kids and I've seen the stats around all of that stuff, I'm way more pro-life, right? In, in just, in just the, 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 the pure kind of approach of it, right? Because everyone talks about how horrific it is for us to lose life. And it's like when like, when like a million babies are aborted a year in America alone, like there are some cities in this country where more kids are aborted than born for certain demographics. That's insane to me. Like, like, okay. Like I understand there's certain circumstances where it certainly makes sense for, for you to be able to choose, but I also believe in life and I believe in, in, you know, once that baby's conceived, it is a baby and it's a person and that's science-based. That's not faith-based, you know? So like, are, what are we really doing the right thing? Are we really doing the human thing? You know, like it certainly doesn't feel like the right thing to do from, from a, from a, a human point, human perspective, right? Not just a Christian perspective. And so like, but that's, that's something that I've kind of like evolved over. But I certainly started off as, as at least thinking that I was much more progressive. But I think that that because of my moral foundation, I'm just I'm being thrust further into the more conservative, I guess, conservative leaning ideologies because that's kind of where I, my moral foundation sits. And I also think that like the progressive is getting so much more progressive that it's like. I felt like I used to be in the middle, but I think you guys have moved the middle so far that I can't, I, I'm not in the middle anymore. Like I wanted to be in the middle. I want I want to be in the middle. I can't be in the middle. I, cause, cause I just, there's so much stuff that's going on, man, you know? And, but that's, but that's like an example, right? And I'm open to, to talk about stuff and learn more about stuff and get people's perspectives. That's not like a, you know, I'm going to be out picketing and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, I look at the stats and that's kind of where I come to. It's not a, that's not like a blind, a blind faith kind of thing or what I was even taught or raised in. So, you know, to everyone that's out there, oh, you just, you know, you're just whatever. I just look at data. <laughs> I just, I look at data. I'm an analyst. I look at data. If you want to argue with me about stuff, you better come ready with receipts and facts. Cause I sure as hell do like, I, I, that's just how I am as a person. But that's again, to tie it back all into content creation, that's, part of why it's it's a struggle to to look at the look at the facts and the data to look at the trends to see all the stuff going on and in try and make educated informed decisions about how to navigate this space and it is it's increasingly difficult to do so in any meaningful context so i don't know man it's uh it's tough it's tough and you know, I um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation because this is refreshing. How many people in this sphere are willing to have an open conversation like this? Because so many, so many, so many will toe the line, and it's not because they agree with it. Right? They do it just because. I mean, we we see how. You know, you don't tell the line for a lot of things. You could you lose your sponsorships, partnerships, brand endorsements. Yep. Uh, banks might drop you. <laughs> you know, Dude, like, that blows my mind. Like Patreon <laughs> dropping people, PayPal dropping people. Like, it, yeah, it, but, but that's the thing. Like, that's that's the extent of the ideological divide in in the country. And and it's when we can't have open conversations 
then that ultimately tells me that it's not a like everyone wants to talk about having a safe space, right? Where you can talk about things and be the real you, right? It doesn't feel very being the real you for people that don't that the people that disagree or have a different perspective with the mainstream view. It's a very hostile place to the people that don't have the mainstream view. And and it's so hostile that it's suppressing, which I think is the intent, right? It's the chilling effect. Oh, mm-hmm. well, this person got kicked off Patreon. Well, if you're a content creator and that's how you're making your money, uh, I, I got to toe the line, right? Or if you're living off YouTube ad rev, I can't say stuff that's going to get me demonetized. You know, I, I see people all the time, at, you know, some, some of the channels that I follow that, that are more like news oriented, the, the amount of verbal gymnastics that they have to, to go through to be able to keep a video monetized. It's, it's comical. It feels like it's an inside joke at this point, you know, like, but that's, but that's the real thing. Like, that's the real thing is that, is that people are being censored for just having opinions that don't follow the mainstream. And that's hard, you know, and, and that's a, the mainstream is also a, a difficult place to navigate because the mainstream isn't everybody like there there's this saying right twitter's not real life it's not but it is the space that we operate in and that's what makes it more real than it really is if you would go out and talk to folks one-on-one i don't think people would be having all up screaming matches with you in person Right. Like, have you, have you seen the, uh, there's like a podcast that's like blown up real, like, like, like nobody's business right now. It's the whatever podcast. Do you, have mm-hmm. you heard of this? Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. It's super interesting to hear young people. And I say young people being, being the, the young old that I am, right. Or the young old that we are to hear young people that aren't married, that are in kind of modern dating culture, like talk about various topics. And they had Michael Knowles, who's a conservative podcaster from the daily wire on talking with like these girls. And they were actually having a very cordial conversation about very hot topics. And I think that more than any, the reason I'm kind of bringing that up is it's that through line of they were all really respectful of each other and they seemed to be able to get along just fine, even though they were on polar opposites of the spectrum because they're in person and you have to treat people with respect when you're face to face, because we all inherently realize that we need to be respectful face to face. And that's, and that's one of those things where it's like, it kind of gives me hope that there's actually just a lot more to people just needing to sit down and talk again and be face to face and at least treat each other like they're face to face so that we can get back to having some more civil discourse and, and actually talking about differences and ideas and, and trying to really see what the truth is or if there's some kind of objective through line of many of these hot topics. Because I feel like there is. It's just we don't talk about it enough to get there because everyone's so staunchly in their tribe on the extremes that it, it, it we can't get there. And it's like maybe that's the the naive optimist in me. But I, I really do feel like people are a lot better than we we treat ourselves online, you know, certainly some, certainly some bad apples and they come out in full force online, but I feel like there's a lot, a lot more people that are, are much more sane and willing and open to talk if they were be in person, not constantly judged for everything they say online. You know, and, and, and to that, like, you remember the, the trend previously with uh, Facebook before all the other platforms got big was people would just reshare things without actually reading it and treating it as facts. And that was a, that was like kind of the thing you saw on Facebook because that was the only platform doing it. And then to, it was funny because we would all mock that because it was so stupid. Like, 
you didn't read this. You're, you're getting up in arms. Did you read this article or whatever you're citing? And to think that within a decade, that's the norm. Dude, I mean, is, again, because it's the easiest example, we already brought it up once, Gina Carano. Everyone was saying Gina Carano's a Nazi. Get her off the show. No, she yeah. wasn't. She's not saying she, she didn't promote any kind of Nazi ideology in any sense at all. She merely pointed out that the first step in being able to ostracize the Jewish people and in prep the whole society to, to go against them was to get them to other them, basically. That was step one. And if we give in to othering each other, especially because of, of these different types of political issues that are going on in society right now, that's the basis to where we dehumanize each other. And that's ultimately the basis on which then we start to do things that we should not do to people, to each other. That was the whole point. And that's what I get. That's what I'm the most concerned by in online discourse is the amount of people that don't dig deep or care to dig deep. They're just so happy to be in their bubble that they're not willing to go outside of it to see a different perspective. You know, it, and it's, and it's really, it's really worrying in that context, or they're not willing to have the conversations because they're scared. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a really, that's a really tough place to be in. It's really, and to, to tie it back to video games, cause I'm going to keep trying to do that. Cause this is mostly gaming, <laughs> game extremely related, right? The same thing happens with game reviews, you know, and you were, you brought this up earlier, like the cycle, right. And, yeah. and and, and I know this is going to be a, a vast tie back, but we're I'm, I'm going with it to try and lighten the mood just a smidge. Right. But like you, you look at, you look at the cycle of how quickly we move on to new thing. Right. And, and you look at the scan, I call it a scandal of like review companies and the downfall of IGN, the downfall of Kotaku and game informer and like all these review companies, because you can tell already which games are going to get nines and which ones aren't, you know, like, because that's that's just how the game is played anymore. Call of Duty is always going to get a nine, even if it's dog crap. It's going to get a nine, right? It's not going to get a ten. It's going to get a nine, you know. And then you have you have other games like uh, you have other games that come out in and if they're controversial or maybe they're not as great or they're new IP, then like they're more willing to kind of crap on them a little bit. But like, how many times are you going to give a Bethesda game like a ten when when it's got so many bugs when it launches that that you can't even finish the game, you know, mm -hmm. like, and you know, you didn't get that day one patch that fixed all the bugs. So they had to play it at launch. It was probably a six. It may have gotten to a 10, right? Skyrim was around for what? Like 10 years, 15 years now of Skyrim. It's like, well, if 15 years, it better be a freaking 10. Right. But like when it <laughs> launched, it was, it wasn't necessarily 10 material, but, but that's like, that's the way that the game is played. In, in realizing that there's these biases in these reviews and in these platforms, you know, again, look at, look at the, look at, <laughs> and the cycle of like, look at Hogwarts legacy months leading up to it. It's like, are you going to play it? Or are you not going to play it? The game finally comes out. All the reviews are in. It's actually a good game. Surprise, surprise. And then here we are, what, three weeks later, no one's talking about it anymore. We've moved on to new thing. People were ready to just absolutely eviscerate you and hang you by your going ads if you played this game, if you didn't support the thing. And here we are three weeks later, no one cares. It's passed. It had its time. If I was in, if I was in marketing for games at this point, I would hot drop everything. 
I would, I would get, I'd make like a one week lead time announcement and then drop it because all the money they spend marketing these games leading up to it only either leads to disappointment or to, to hate marketing. And I guess, I guess hate coverage is still coverage, but like you look at uh, what, what game came out recently that was, that was like a, a really good Atomic. drop. Atomic Heart? No, it wasn't Atomic Heart. It was a little bit, a little bit older than that. But there was a game that like dropped, and it, and it was like a, I want to say it was on Game Pass, but I'm not sure. But oh, Hi-Fi that, Rush. Hi-Fi Rush, Rush, yes. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush. Literally no marketing in front of it. They did the Xbox Direct, and they said Hi-Fi Rush is available today. And everyone was like, games like an eight or a nine. Fantastic. Go play it right now. Why? Because no one had the ability to put it under the microscope. They just had to, to objectively rate the game on whether or not it was fun or not, whether it was good or not. And it was a decent game. So people graded it decently. People got to enjoy it. And now we can move on, right? Like that, that to me was the perfect example of, of how games should be released in a modern era. Because you look at, you look at all, like, look at, again, Bethesda's the worst. Look at Starfield. How much hype do we have to have for Starfield to know that it's not going to be that mind-blowingly amazing when it releases? Is it going to be good? Probably, right? It's got a massive studio behind it with people that really care. It's going to be some kind of good. But is it going to be like, Oh, it's the new Skyrim. No, it's not going to be. I'm telling you that right now there, because it, because it's not going to be because there's too much. There's too many other games that release that are actual quality and the indie market is too much quality for these games to hold on to that type of prestige anymore because there's other stuff to play. There's mm -hmm. there's just too much for you to play. Game, pla game Pass exists. People can pay 15 bucks a month and get five new games a month that they can play. Or have a backlog of stuff going back for forever that they haven't played because they didn't buy it that they now can. You know, like, uh, oh, what's another one? Um, uh, was it Ghostwire Tokyo is coming to Game Pass? I wanted to play that when it came out. That game is amazing. That I wanted to play so it when it came good. out, but I didn't because I didn't have time. Well, guess what? I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's on Game Pass. Dude, and that's a whole other topic too. All the people that are like anti Game Pass and, and just okay, going back to the biases that sure. the gaming industry has towards or well, not gaming industry really, more so the gamer like the game influencer yeah. biases and, and the outlets that they have against Xbox, which to me is so weird because the original Xbox people loved it, the 360. That was the console of that era. Yep. The Xbox One was good initially, minus the whole Connect bullshit, but it was good. And then Microsoft just quit caring. And then with the series, people need to start realizing Microsoft don't care about Xbox hardware. They're yep. approaching, and, and I used to work for Microsoft. I actually worked okay. for Microsoft from... Um, 2008 all the way up until 2015 okay and uh you know I, I worked at microsoft game studios i also went to the retail side where i was helping like train at the microsoft stores and, and best buys and stuff you know in uh, seattle and also here in hawaii so i knew back then when they were making the, the changes with 
the Xbox One, that they were shifting towards a different strategy because you saw PlayStation during the PlayStation 3 era. People say it started with PlayStation 4. It's actually PlayStation 3 where they were paying to keep games off of the 360. And Sony, as much as people say they're for the gamers, they're the most anti-consumer. And I'm saying that as a PlayStation partner. (laughs) But they pay to keep things off of the Switch. They pay to keep, well, many times they don't, but they do. This this does happen. Keep it off of the Switch. Keep it off of of, uh, the Xbox because Mm -hmm. they don't want to compete with it. And you look at Microsoft's strategy, look at what they did with Office. Like maybe the young people now don't know this, but there was a time when you could only get Office on PC. You couldn't get it on Mac at all. Yep. And then they're like, hey, let's put it over here. But then when they put it on Mac, it wasn't as good because Apple didn't want it to be because they don't want to compete. And look at Apple right now trying to combat Android. It's not really working that well for them. But Microsoft's strategy is the same that they did with their office suite. Let's just put it on anything. Let's make it easily accessible. Xbox is not just the console. It's ability to play on this platform, whether it's your smartphone through Game Pass on mobile, where you can remote in, or the Logitech G Cloud, or if you want to pick up the hardware, hey, this is the most powerful console out here. But you can play your games on PC and play them on your phone, play them on portable. They are allowing you to have choice. Yep. And no PlayStation's not doing that. And and people who are are like stuck on thinking that, you know, uh, like these outlets, like they hate anything. Oh, Xbox has no games. The hell are you talking about? Game Pass? Oh, it's anti-consumer. Okay, as a parent? with, you know, kids that like to game as opposed to buying a, a $300 or, or $500 console and then $60, $70 per game, I can just buy the console or half the time, not even buy the console, buy the service of Game Pass and they can play whatever they want. It, it's brilliant. And you're Dude. seeing PlayStation's now doing that with PlayStation Plus. When when the newest series of consoles launched, the Series X and S, mm-hmm. I waited to get a Series X until I could get it on the all-access model, which is the where it's zero interest, but it's financed. It's 35 bucks a month for two years. Mm-hmm. And it, that was for the Series X with two years of Game Pass Ultimate included. If you do the math... Of all of that, you actually get two months of Game Pass free at the end of the two years, and it's zero percent interest. So I have been doing that. I'm actually only like three months left until it's all paid off. But then I'm paying fifteen bucks a month for Game Pass Ultimate, which is one hundred twenty dollars a year. That's two games. I get new games every month. And to, like you said, with kids, dude, Super Lucky's Tale, legit. All yep. the Lego Star Wars games, like. Like there are so many games that are on Game Pass. The the Hot Wheels game that just came out, it's dedicated. Like I had my kids were loving playing Forza Five, like with the the Hot Wheels Sarah. Like I bought the Hot Wheels DLC so they could play that. Um, 
there's like all kinds of games that like I just go on there and they're like, Daddy, you want to play a new game? And I'm like, okay. And I go and look on Game Pass and see if there's something appropriate for them. And I load it on there and they play, you know, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And, and like you said, the, the cloud game streaming, I have buddies that play Gears 5 still. And, and we have fun playing Horde mode from time to time. I don't even have it installed anymore because if you install that game, it's like 120 gigs on your drive. Guess what? I just cloud stream it and it still maintains all my save and my account, my everything. And I don't even mm-hmm. have it loaded because my Xbox is hardwired in my office and I have gig connection, no skip, no stutter. It's crystal clear. It plays amazing. Even in Horde where stuff is bounced around and super fast through multiplayer is a fantastic concept. You know, like PS now, doesn't have that at the same level in no. PlayStation plus. While it's nice that you get to keep the games, unlike Xbox live gold, where if you get, when you get gold, you only get to keep the games. If you keep your gold subscription. Now it's not like they go away, but if you don't pay for gold, then you don't get your gold games that you downloaded through the gold, you know, free thing. Whereas in PlayStation, you just get the games and they're mm-hmm. yours, which is nice, but like it's still not enough to where you would call it anti-consumer. It's very prosumer. The the biggest the biggest thing back during the Xbox One days, because I'm I'm a super Microsoft fanboy, in in just in the terms I've always been Team Xbox. I've never owned a PlayStation before the PS4. And the only reason I bought it was for God of War and for Last of Us. And and all the rest of the exclusives I found were phenomenal, but specifically God of War. Um but I was like I could see the vision during the Xbox one days when they launched with the connect and they wanted to go more digital and, and all of my friends were like, this is a bad move. This is a bad move. And I'm like, why everyone's getting freaking internet, especially in, you know, first world country area where most people are buying a, a gaming console, right? Like we have internet, you can download updates. We've been doing it already. We bought, we buy DLC all the time. Like, this is the wave of the future. And I would love to have a digital library. So I don't have to keep buying discs and storing discs and doing all this stuff. That's catch 22. Cause if you don't have internet, you can't play. But in a world where you always have internet, is that really a big problem? And everyone's like, yeah, like you can't, they can't do that. They got to make it so that you can have the disc and just play from the disc. What happens now? Here we are three, four years later, right? What, what happens now? You, you get a disc and you load it in and you still have to download the game. Right, like the disc is literally just the DRM. That's the world we live in, because the game is so different from what is on the disc. It's basically DRM. That's all it is. So you still have to download the freaking game. Welcome to the future, fam. You just took a long time to get there and pissed and moaned to get here. Now, is it better? I don't know. Again, if you don't have internet, you can't play. So, yeah, that sucks. But most people now have internet because everything runs on the internet. You know, welcome to the future that it is just it is what it is. The days of you having a CD case or a DVD case full of games and carrying that around with you wherever you go. So you can constantly put in your stuff like the original Xbox and PlayStation stuff is, is not is not where we're at. And I don't think anybody's really upset about that, except for like the collectors that are like, I love my old media. It's like, well, yeah, to a certain extent. But like, where are you going to we're going to house all that stuff? If I housed all the games on my Xbox library, I'd be like filling up my room, you know, with, with CDs and bookcases. I don't want to do that. That's, that's nobody's idea of a good time. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conundrum for sure. 
Oh man. So so and and winding down uh this episode, I feel like we've we've gone to the the gambit. We we we've been across the, the spectrum. We talked about everything. Uh content creating, behind the scenes, you know, politics, religion, the current progressive the cancel culture. We talked about everything and this is the beauty of organic open discussions that in the modern era is just really getting lost. It is so crazy. So I was talking to my, my sister uh, the other day. And one of the things that she was telling me was that it's so weird how people get offended by everything these days. And she's like 10 years ago, never. And it's like, we were watching something I, I was watching something and, and um, oh yeah, I think I said to my wife that, you know, can you imagine Cat Williams in in this current climate? Or uh, what was the other comedian? Uh, what's it, the little guy? The laughing my face, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart as he was 10, 15 years ago. Now, any no. of them, any of no. the greats, dude. In, in high school, my my friends and I, my choir buddies and I, the tenor section, we we <laughs> used to get together and, and have a party at somebody's house and watch the original Kings of Comedy. You couldn't make that stand-up special now. Mm-mm. I mean, you could, but you're going to get help for it. Didn't they try to cancel like Dave Chappelle again oh, recently? They, they constantly try and cancel Dave Chappelle. And, and the thing is, it's funny because like Dave Chappelle is a lefty. Like... And that's what I mean. Like he's more progressive in general and he agrees with most of the views. He just has a problem with trying to deny reality. And so he's just like trying to point that out, but he's doing it in a way that's actually very human. Like, like he was telling a, he was telling a, a story on one of his most recent standups. What I watched, I thought was really good. Brings up a lot of good points, but he was, he was mentioned how, how he had a friend who was trans that was like a fan of the show that was also an aspiring comedian who he helped support and try and platform to, to give them a, a, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was a man going to be a woman. And, and, you know, Dave was like saying something to the effect, like, you know, sometimes I just, I don't, I don't understand this whole thing. And the response from, from his friend was basically, I don't need you to understand why I do what I do. I just want you to understand that I'm having a human experience. And I thought that was so powerful because I'm not someone that, that, that is very, I'm not a big believer in that whole ideology, right? Because, mm. because I, I, I think that we are, are, I, I, I don't believe that the, any amount of hormones or surgeries we can do can make us something that we're not. But that doesn't mean that people aren't worthy of love and respect, right? right? And they're going through something that is causing them to feel a certain type of way. And we need to figure out the best way to support those people. And that's that's the through line. Again, that's the through line. That's the nuance of the conversation to where if you're someone that doesn't say, I believe you, I support you, I validate you, then you're automatically an enemy. And it's like, I don't want to be your enemy. I want to make sure that you're getting help. Like, like that whole community has a suicide rate that's off the charts, right? Like it's higher than, than people in Auschwitz. Like that's saying something again, those are the receipts. Those are the numbers, right? And, and why that is, is something that's still not widely understood. There's theories, 
but none of them have been proven out in studies. And so it's like, we got to help these people in whatever way we can to, to get that number down, right? I have my opinion on how to do that. That probably differs from a lot of ways people's opinions on how to do that. But let's have a conversation about that because we need to save people. We need to help people that are clearly struggling mentally, you know, like, and, and but that was Chappelle's point in, in his whole thing was he was just trying to, to say like, people are so sensitive, right? No one wants to talk about this. And it's not that anyone's hateful. It's that people differ on, on how we approach the subject. And, and because of that, and because certain people can't take a joke, I'm not going to make fun of these people anymore. And that was his whole thing is he was like, I made fun of this community because I think it's, you know, he goes to me, I, I don't understand it. And so I'm making fun of it, but because there's so much backlash, he's like, you guys can't take a joke. I don't want to do it anymore. And it's like, to your point, 10 years ago, people could take a joke. Now we can't. And it's like, why are we so freaking sensitive that we can't even just talk about stuff without devolving into name calling and character assassination, and all that stuff, like right off the bat. But that was his whole thing. It is it was nuts, man. Because Chappelle's funny as hell. <laughs> and I don't agree with him <laughs> on a lot, but he's he's funny, man. He's he's he is one of the remaining greats, man. Like I I I legit was upset when Bernie died. Bernie, Bernie was my yeah. dude. I freaking love Bernie Mac. I, I loved his approach, I love his delivery, I love his topics, I loved his show. Bernie was he he was he was what they call a real one. He just gave it to you like i'm just that was his def jam stand-up i'm just saying it because you can't say it and that was like like 90s he was yeah. he was going out with comedy like that i'm just saying it because you can't say it i'm like oh i love bernie <laughs> <laughs> he's just so good oh it's just he just i just i love bernie mac man oh he's just he's so good He's just so, but anyway, but like, but that's the point is like, you couldn't do that. Like you would go back and look at some of the great, like, like classic movies and classic comedies. Look at Blazing Saddles. That movie would never get made today. Have you seen Blazing Saddles? Yeah. I think the sheriff is near. What? I said the sheriff is near. <laughs> it's like, that's not what he was saying. But like, you can't make those jokes today. Right. Actually, on that topic, they remade that as Pause of Fury, and it's an animated movie. Um, it's an animated kids movie where it's like, like it's a, a whole nation of cats, and then there's like a dog that comes in to be sheriff. It's hilarious. It's actually really, really good. It's on Paramount, I think. Watch it; it's fantastic. But, uh, but like, you can't make that. You couldn't make Spaceballs. You couldn't make, you know, Men in Tights. You couldn't make any of these movies because somebody somewhere would be so offended by by the jokes in the movie that no one would even bother to try and make it anymore. And it's just, it, it, it makes me sad again, because it, it stifles creativity in, and it stifles the creation. And I think if there's like a, a wrapping point of like all the stuff we've had is, is kind of goes back to that point in the conversation we're talking about, like the amount of restrictions that we place on ourselves to try and not piss people off means that we're not making as authentic content as we could be making. And I think that that is much to the detriment of content creators with all the stuff, right? And the noise, the games with not getting good feedback on the merits of their game. It's more about the politics of their game, right? Like all of that stuff in why, why do we have to bring that into everything? Why do we have to focus everything on that lens 
when I thought games were supposed to be something that was an escape from reality for us to enjoy for a short period of time, right? Like we're, we are, we are, you know, sullying our enjoyment of these things by trying to force stuff into it that has no place in there. You know, and that's a whole other topic. Like the D and D community, man, you, you can't have a campaign that has slavery in it. You can't have a campaign that has, you know, bad guys that, that do different kinds of stuff. Why? Because all that stuff's bad. Yeah, we know it's bad. That's why they're the bad guys that do it. Like, <laughs> but we also know that like culturally, that's a thing that has happened since the dawn of recorded human history. Right? And so still it's a, goes on to this day, but people don't want to talk about that. It's just called human trafficking today. Right. But like that, that stuff still exists and it's, and it's one of those evils that we all kind of inherently know is not a thing, but when it's part of, of cultures and movies or campaigns or whatever, it's a powerful tool for you to rally against or to do all these different things. But if you include in your game, Oh boy, you're really pissing people off, right? Having races that are inherently evil in games. Oh, that's right. We can't even call them races now. They have to be be lineages or whatever because because we can't use the race term anymore. It's like, guys, can we please grow the hell up and and stop with all of this nonsense? You can't censor everything out of existence because then people are going to stop talking about it and just harbor it as resentment. The only reason that we get through tough topics, the only reason we get through civil rights types of topics and levels of change is because people talk through it. We have to be able to process it and have discourse about it for us to be able to get through it. There's no one alive today in any type of mainstream thought or conversation that thinks that, that slavery is a good thing or that racism is a good thing. Yet those things get thrown around left, right, and center as accusations of people's character. It's so improperly used because that's not what people are trying to say, but there is no other defense because people don't want to educate themselves on issues and actually take the time to talk to people. So we resort to that kind of stuff. And it just, it's not, it's not productive and it's not healthy and it's not helping anything. It's only making stuff worse, right? It's like, I, I, we, we have kids, man. We want our kids to grow up in a space that, that is better than where we came into it. And yeah. I, I look back when I was a kid and I'm like, man, I don't think we had to deal with half of this shit. Now, maybe that's because we were blissfully ignorant. I don't know, but it, it's, we certainly have our own generational struggles that make it hard to want to want to want to think that we can have kids that are going to be raising and flourishing, right? Like, my kids are like, I want, I want to stream like you. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 son, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, uh-uh. you want to go and you, you want to, you want to go chop wood in the middle of the woods and not talk to people. <laughs> That's what you want to do, right? You're, you're gonna go. You're gonna go be a lumberjack. That's what you're gonna do. You just, just go, go and chop wood all day. You'll be happy. I promise. You won't have to deal with all this crap. You know, <laughs> I don't mean that literally, but still, it's the same. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I just want to go and get a homestead and freaking go chop wood all day. I don't want to deal with people anymore. You win. You win. I'm gone. I'm gonna go off <laughs> into my woods, my little cabin. <laughs> oh man, is there anything, uh, anything else you want to leave the people with before we go, or anything you want to plug? Hell, I I'm just gonna I'll, I'll leave him with this. This is the this is the thing that I say now at the end of every stream, right? And and if you're if you're a spiritual person, you're a Christian person, or or faith based person, you can take it for for that route. If you're not, then just take it as a sign to to be good, be the light, 
there is so much darkness in in these spaces be the light people be be the positive force be the force for reason be the the, the source for actual compassion i do mean actual compassion be be responsible for the things that you're saying and you're promoting um, and make sure that you think through that kind of stuff. And that that goes through all aspects of life, but especially in this content creation space. If you've got companies reaching out to you to promote their stuff, make sure that it's good, that you actually support it, you know, and, and that you think it's going to be beneficial for you to do. Don't just do it because you think it validates you because it doesn't. It, it uses you more often than it, than it helps you. So be discerning, I guess. Be discerning and be the light. That is... That is my, my leave it with them. All right. And with that being said, I'll leave links uh, for all of your social media outlets, as well as streaming and everything else you want. Anything else you want to promote? I can that, throw it that's, in too. I, I promote you. I think you're awesome. Please go, please watch more <laughs> of his content. If you're already here on this YouTube channel, please make sure you're following this man everywhere and that you're promoting his content because he deserves he deserves to be promoted and to be seen and to be heard by the peoples. And you know it because you're here watching and listening already. Hit the like on the video. Come on now. Hit the like button. It ain't that hard. Share this out. Put us on the Twitters. It's fine. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be this video. It could be another video, a review, anything. I'm just going to mess with you. I'm not really messing with you. Share it. Share the video. It's fine. Do the thing. <laughs> Oh, man. And with that, people, Night Tide and I are signing out. Y'all have a good one. Follow for your time for listening to this episode of the Casanova Podcast and more podcasts in Hawaii. If you found this episode to be incredibly enjoyable, informative, or if there's anything you gain from it or any insight or, you know, anything that's good that you really, really enjoy, make sure whatever platform you're listening to it on or if you're watching it, leave a comment if that's available on the platform like it, share it around with someone you think would enjoy it, and give us some feedback because your feedback is exactly what we need to keep this show going. And if you're wondering what are some ways that you could support the show, we got various ways. We've got Patreon, we have channel memberships over on YouTube, as well as Subscribestar, Coffee, and so much more. Links for everything will be in the description of the podcast, so make sure you go check that out. And with all that being said, I hope you have an aloha rest of your day. Let them know that I'm next level. I'm a whole new kind of guy. Yes, at the top spot in case you forgot. We the ones that got the black hot bullet got the shot. Yeah.